0: Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name's Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. And for our next stop on this adventure, we are talking all things marathon running as we are joined by runners Ben Parker. We are well and truly in marathon season, which means in this podcast we'll be talking all things tips, tricks and advice all to do with running a marathon. Ben Parker is the co founder and head coach at Runner, a running platform that provides world class training, coaching, and community for everyone. Ben has spent over five years as a professional running coach and has helped everyone from beginner runners all the way up to elite athletes. As well as all of this, he's also a qualified personal trainer, an Ironman coach, an England athletics coach, and a Pilates instructor. And if that's not enough, in his spare time, he's also a keen athlete himself, ranking in the top five in his age group for Ironman in the UK and coming top 20 in the 2020 Virtual London Marathon with a time of 2 hours and 34 minutes. And just recently, he's qualified for the Ironman 70.3 World Championships. This week's sponsor is Science in Sport, the world leaders in endurance nutrition. Science in Sport have developed the world's first isotonic energy gel, SIS Go Isotonic Energy, which is scientifically proven to help you run further and faster for longer. SIS Go Isotonic Energy Gels are trusted by elite athletes and teams worldwide from Olympians to world champions. So go ahead and join the team now by heading to scienceinsport.com and use the special code outside20 for an exclusive 20% off go isotonic energy gels and the rest of the science and sport range. This excludes any clearance or existing special offers. So make sure you go ahead and shop now. SIS have been extremely kind to send through some of the examples of what they're offering. They are amazing. I love the uh, the gels especially. Go into their website and check it out now and use that code just mentioned. And a massive shout out to Runner, which is the app that Ben coaches for and is the founder of. And it's the market leading online running coaching service. They help people all over the world in 155 different countries train better for any running goal, from a faster 5K to a first marathon or even an ultra marathon with expert coaching from their coaching team including british olympic marathon runner steph davies and i also am actually really happy to be offering a special code that when you use it you get a two-week free trial on the runner app so go and download it now runner r-u-n-n-a and use the code oa for that two-week free trial without further ado let's head straight into this episode with ben parker Ben, thank you so much for joining me on the Outside and Active podcast. It's great to have you here and I'm really excited to chat about a topic that I think will be on a lot of people's minds at the moment and that's marathons or races and events and trainings. Um, But before we go into that firstly how are you? How are you doing?
1: Yeah I'm I'm very well thank you and also sharing the same enthusiasm uh, going into marathon season. I'm also doing a doing London Marathon so I'm in the middle of my uh, my training block as well so uh enjoying that and excited to share uh, share some learnings with everyone listening
0: to this today as well I'm I'm so jealous of the London Marathon and there's a lot of people that will be listening that are going oh, I've been entering London Marathon for x amount of years and 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 or just haven't haven't got the courage yet to to, to enter and get a place and start yeah, well, fundraising well, I'm, but
1: I'm- I'm one of those people as well. I've entered the ballot ever since I got into running six, seven years ago um, and had a place the year it was first called off because of COVID. Oh no! Um, Ran it virtually and um, somehow managed to lose my place for not clicking the right button on an email. Um, So then last year I had to go out and do a um, qualification time to get my good age entry. Um, So I did many laps of Goodwood Racetrack (laughs) to get my time to get my race. And I'm now very much a looking forward to doing it for the first time. So um, I've cheered people on many, many years in a row. So I'm looking forward to doing it, uh, doing it myself. And hopefully those listening are inspired. Keep entering the ballot uh, and either they'll get a lucky place in the ballot, raise money for charity, or even um, improve enough that they can get a good free place um, and and get it directly as well.
0: Exactly. Keep trying, keep trying. Um, But we're going to kick off this podcast with a, a piece of advice that comes from someone who has been on the podcast before and they leave a piece of advice about anything and they don't know who they're leaving it to. Um, And the piece of advice today comes from a lovely guy called Phil Evans, who's a a great physiotherapist, works at Urban Body. And his advice that he left for you was to not worry about what other people think. And I think as a runner, that is something that a lot of people will go through a phase of running where they look at times on an app and they look at, you know, comparing themselves to other people and think, oh gosh, I need to be changing this or changing that. Did you ever have that period? Are you, I mean, some you might still be in that period about comparing yourself. But do you try and disconnect from what other people think about your running?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's such a good question, and I go through ebbs and flows of this. I think when I first got into running, um, I loved the fact that uh, I would put it on Strava and impress my friends at, at uni. I would do my strength work and do my gym work and, and do my running and, and impress other people. And I found that the external validation and motivation that do you mean, eyes on Instagram or eyes on Strava had helped me to push myself harder. Um, now kind of role reversal six, seven years later, I'm in a position where I'm coaching thousands of people all over the world and, and doing that through a, a really exciting app called runner. Um, but as a result, my training is almost like a, uh, under more eyes now than ever before, that I feel now there's all this pressure to be the most amazing ambassador of my own coaching, my own brand. Um, so I would say now it's it's harder. Um, do you mean, if I've got a little bit of a niggle, I'm so scared that that's going to turn into an injury and then I'm not going to be able to keep training, keep inspiring our runners. Um, so I definitely find it a, a hard juggling act. And from looking at the way different people have trained, do you mean, over-coaching people for many years, it's so interesting how some people react so well to the same stimulus where other people react so badly to it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's so important is that we all work in different ways and we've got to try and unpick the way that we work, what motivates us, what doesn't work well with us, and then try and set ourselves up for success. Um, I mean, some people um, hate putting their easy runs on Strava, for example, because they, <laughs> they're slower than their, their races. Um, and they think I mean, people are going to judge them. They've got less fit if they run a bit slower on Strava. Um, And for the same reason I've seen so often, it would be so annoying as a coach when someone would stop their watch and not record the rest periods of their intervals.
0: So then I think that they've gone out and done an
1: interval session of a few kilometer repeats, but actually their average speed on Strava is just the speed of all those intervals. And instead we should record the rest. We should have a slow average speed and get really fit over months of training and go and blitz it in a race. And if you want the external validation on Strava, save that for the race. Um, So I think there's all these ebbs and flows of how we can use... Um, social media and do you mean, put pressure on ourselves, et cetera. Um, and I think for some people, that pressure doesn't help. And keep your Strava private. Don't put things on Strava or whatever app people are using. Um, but the real thing is to understand what motivates us and stack as many things in favor to help us. And then don't put things in, in place that are going to make training less enjoyable or less productive. Um, and I think like kind of that stems back to the way that I think we try and build all the coaching at Runner is – um, always to make things as sustainable as enjoyable as possible, because the key to anyone being good at anything long term is sticking around and keep doing that for a very long time. So rather than blitzing training for three weeks and making it so aggressive and unsustainable that you get a really, you I mean, you get really fast in six, seven weeks of training, but then you get injured and hate it. Yeah. Instead, that the goal should be building up, teaching people how to train for their goals and do so in an enjoyable and sustainable way. But then it leads to a lifetime of happy sustainable running and progressive improvements will come um, and as a result do you mean someone's going to get to that marathon finish line feeling like do you mean they they're good training behind them help them to have a great race but they're excited to know they can go on to the next rather than think that was 12 weeks of misery i'm never running for another year and going backwards <laughs> to where they started which do you mean is is often the way that people go with a marathon which is always the way that i'm desperately trying to encourage people not to go because do you, mean, you and I were such privileged people to be able to enjoy running and see it as this kind of great hobby and thing that we get to do to make our lives healthier and better and I don't want someone to get a ballot place after years of trying and then think they've got to have three, three months of misery yep. instead I want them to get that to mean, enjoyed and then go from there to keep running forever more injury-free and with happy sustainable habits as well.
0: Yeah, I think you smashed smashed it there, especially what you said about 30 seconds ago around enjoying the process, enjoying the feeling of getting better, whatever better might be in terms of time or distance for for you as a person. Because, again, when you find, I've said this on the podcast before, I've had this experience of when running goes from being a chore and a mode of exercise to it then being something you do because you love it. It's such a cathartic feeling. It's such a good feeling. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that will... That will feel the same thing as well. So, um, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you said that. But um, you've touched on it there as well. But if someone's listening, going, well, who's this person to be telling me how to how I should be running? I'm not one of those people, but someone might be thinking that who's Ben and why and runner? Why should he be telling me how to run my marathon? Well, give give people a bit of context around you, your background in running and where you're at now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm, I'm Ben. I'm the head coach of Runner, which is a fully automated online running coaching uh, service. So we do all of our coaching via an app. We're coaching people in 155 different countries um, and have kind of over six and a half thousand people on our platform, which is super exciting. Um, I've been a running coach for the last kind of six, seven years now. Um, I first got into exercise you mean, as a 15, 16 year old guy who um, started to like girls and had testosterone and wanted to you know, look good and be healthy. <laughs> So I started out going down the route of being a big gym goer, getting a six-pack of big muscles. And I did that from me, 16 till kind of 21. Um, and Jimmy was one of the biggest guys and strongest guys at uni and, and, and played team sports and enjoyed that kind of status that having a six-pack, maybe I thought it brought me or gave me the confidence to, um, to, to enjoy all of those sides of things. Um, in my last year of uni, I spent 365 days in a row going to the gym because I loved it that much. Wow. Um, and I was very much kind of known as, you I mean, the Natter who can do anything and is, is is super strong and indestructible, or that's what I kind of like to think I was. Um, and at the end of, at the end of that year, I, I decided to just kind of throw myself in at the deep end and, and do what I thought was the hardest challenge in physical fitness, which was at the time uh, an Ironman. So I went from, from that year of going to the gym 365 days in a row to commit to running 2,500 kilometers in the year ahead, and then to do an Ironman at the end of that year. Um. And 2,500 kilometers might be a, a normal, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of mileage, but it's not unsustainable for someone who's a keen runner. That's averaging 49 kilometers a week. But I started that in April, and I hadn't even ran that that year. So it was a real shock to the system. Yeah. So I learned so much about running. I I, mean, I got shin splints, I uh, got a bunch of different injuries, and I learned so much about how to, how to incorporate that. I then did my, my first Ironman. And the whole way through, I thought I'd do this year, do the Ironman, and then just go back to being a matter. Um, and what I found and ties in very much nicely into the, the name of the podcast really is that like I enjoyed exploring the outside world so much more than lying on my back and lifting a bench press up and down to try and make my pecs larger. Uh, like kind of there was purpose. I was running around. I was getting faster. I was getting stronger. I was getting healthier. Do um, you I mean as as a five foot ten guy? There's no need to put on any more muscle after a point. Um, and so kind of went from there. I graduated immediately. I uh, qualified as a personal trainer and started working at a, um, a PT studio in Southampton, which is where I graduated. Um, and the, the owner of that studio was an ex-professional runner, which is what first got me down the route of uh, using personal training to help people in the, the running capacity. Um, I went from there and spent two years um, running the, the health and fitness department at a five-star hotel in Greece, which was amazing. And again,
0: <laughs> it was so much more
1: enjoyable to do my, my running and cycling and swimming outdoors in, in the Mediterranean. Um, and I came back home from, from there two years later. Um, and kind of started to set up my own online running coaching business, as well as working with a few different gyms in Southwest London, um, and working with other kind of in, in-person running clients as well. Um, and that led me to get to the point where, kind of towards the, the, the kind of COVID period, I was pretty much fully subscribed. I had forty online clients, and doing they were they were really happy, um, and training them for all different varieties of, of running training goals. Um, and one of my best friends from from university who had trained with me to do his first marathon, came back and said, um, had I thought about automating this process? Um, and funnily enough, one of my, my best friends from school I had, but he was busy doing his own tech business in the US. Uh, in the US. Um, so when the second do you mean, super clever guy that I know in my friendship group said, for the second time, we need to automate this, I, I couldn't say no. <laughs> um, so we started with our, our Monday evenings, and then it became Monday and Thursdays until it was every night of the week for about nine months, trying to build an engine Um, that could take all of the information about you as a runner what you're training for what your schedule's like how fast you are how far you can run um, and run that through code to then set you the perfect sessions and essentially we were able to build that and and mean that now we can coach people um, and charge much much less because it's all done automatically and help many many more people Um, so now yeah like i said we're coaching six and a half thousand people in 155 countries and we've only been on the app store for, for 11 months so it's really exciting growing growing really quickly and hopefully we can help, help lots more runners and, and kind of make training for marathons training for faster 5k's or even ultra marathons so much more accessible reduce the likelihood of injuries and, and just make the process that much more fun and enjoyable
0: yeah i mean you can you complete you can completely see it there when you're talking about it there's a real passion for for helping people achieve their goals whatever their goals may be and you know this podcast i really want to get out of it i want people to be able to take away practical things that they can either take in into the future when they decide to take on a challenge or, you know, they might be taking on their first, uh, taking on their first marathon now, and they want to know something now, or they might be thinking, oh, I've run four marathons. I'm in my fourth or fifth training plan, but actually I've not, I've not thought about this before. And uh, that's some questions that when we go into in a bit, I really want to take out, but obviously run sponsoring this podcast episode. And I, I genuinely, I'm, I, I know it's sponsored, but I would say this anyway. I have started using it and genuinely find it extremely interesting. Seeing that process and that automated way of doing it, and um, some other questions that I want to ask you a bit into in a bit about certain types of training that I'd never thought about before, um, such as the the interval training and the tempo training that I would just never given the time of day, but I've started to now. So I'm looking forward to chatting about that. Um, but you've got some awesome people that you're working with as well. I mean, we've had Josh Patterson on the podcast yeah. before. Uh, such a lovely guy. And you're working with him as well. And he's doing some awesome challenges and awesome things. that I think he's either just announced or announcing. Yeah, no, exactly.
1: Josh has been um, doing uh, I'm mean, going to talk about Josh and Steph. And uh, there are two amazing people associated with the business. Josh had put on his Instagram story um, saying he was looking for a running coach in London. Um, and one of my friends who, who followed him messaged him and told him to message me. Uh, and he was at my house the next day um and 3 years later uh, do you mean he's now a big part of, of runner and he was our um, do you mean first investor the first person to believe in in what we we're doing um and do you mean he's a huge huge part of the the business now which is amazing um and do you mean all of the running challenges he's ever done has mean i've kind of been by his side and, and seen that amazing progression as i mean he he never ran more than 12k when i i first met him and wow. i mean i was then holding his hand in marathon number three within 24 <laughs> hours before flying over to marathon number four in in wales when he did uh, four marathons in, in 24 hours in the four countries of great britain so he's done some amazing things and'm about to go on to do, um giving a marathon in all the all the cities in the uk in, in consecutive days which is which is 76 the the ironic thing about that is that uh the, the, when he first met, met me, that was kind of his first goal, of which he's had to pause it because of COVID, etc. Yeah. Um, and, and the funny thing about that was that there were, there were 69 cities when he first got in touch with me and I wanted to call it the Great British 69. But sadly, the Queen uh, <laughs> uh, added a few countries to the list. Um, but yeah, so he's been a, an incredible part of the journey and it's been incredible to, to work with such a an incredible athlete um, and an incredible person as well. And mm. Helps us enormously in the business as well. Um, and then doing another one, I, I don't think Steph's been on the podcast yet, but, but she should be. So Steph Davies, who's kind of British, um, British fastest marathon uh, female marathon runner in the Tokyo Olympics. Um, we, we reached out to her quite early on in the, in, in the journey of the business. Um, and she loved what we were doing, chose to invest in the business and has been a, a key part of the business ever since. So all the coaching that we do at Runner is designed by, by Steph and myself. Um, and it's been so amazing to see the business grow. And that means that Steph works. With us and has been able to step away from her career in finance. Um, she used to work three days a week in, in finance alongside being a professional Olympic runner, which crazy. is crazy, and you wouldn't see the, the men doing that. Um, but yeah, so she's been able to to, to 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 join join the business. She works for us ten hours a week, and it means that we can be so confident. All the coaching is absolutely flawless at that full end of the spectrum, and and being able to automate her her voice, her tone of her tone of thought in terms of coaching to serve so many people. I mean, like for a, for someone to work with a, an Olympic coach in the past, you'd have to pay a lot of money because that time is really precious. And for us to be able to, do mean, make those coaching decisions as a team and then be able to put that through an automated service is is so exciting and, and, and also a fantastic way to hopefully elevate her profile as, as a doing you know, an amazing athlete in the space. Um, so it's been doing absolutely fantastic working with her. And we've got some other really exciting people um, who are who are working hard behind the scenes um, that we'll go on to announce as, as runner continues to grow and uh, things move in, in the right direction which is
0: which is fantastic. Amazing. Well, we've we've nailed down your credentials. I think we can now trust you <laughs> to give us some advice. Um, so thank you for that. So uh, any, I say it might be an easy question but no, number one, if I've just signed up for a marathon now, I've, I've bite the bullet, I'm signing up for a marathon, what's step one? What should I be thinking about first when I embark on this journey? Yes,
1: yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's a great question and, and first of all, like, Everyone is different. So you could be someone who's ran loads of marathons before, and it's the case that you just want to get faster. You're greater. I mean, you know you can get around the marathon if you had to turn up tomorrow, and it's just a case of working on your speed. So for them, it might be a case of making sure that we understand fueling, we understand pacing ourselves better, really work on that top-end speed work. For the majority of people doing a marathon is is probably going to be their first one and as a result it's a case of making sure that we understand that there's so many factors that go into play to train towards that marathon and it's a case of i think for me in the way that i would describe coaching is um there's so many different things that we can do and we don't need to be perfect at every single one we want to do as well as we can at each one of those those areas so that thinking about recovery thinking about fueling thinking about you mean, getting our, our, our mileage and thinking about warming up, thinking about stretching, thinking about mobility work, thinking about the strength work. Each of these areas are going to play a key part in us having hopefully a really successful marathon. Um, and instead of necessarily worrying about making sure every single one is perfect, I think it's about making sure that you understand each of those areas are important. Making sure that you can work out how you can incorporate them into your life. Like you might have kids, you might have a really stressful job, you might do shift work, all of these different things. We need to understand how we can make a training that's going to take three, four, six months, let's say sustainably fit into our lives so that we can get fitter and stronger while also enjoying that process, which, which is just so important. And, and as I think as, as a result, I think it's so important to truly understand what our goals are, are the goals to, 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 to finish the marathon in a certain time. Is it to complete your first marathon while still being present in your relationship or whatever it is. And I think having, uh that understanding means that it, it's so different person to person um but yeah i mean there's there's some kind of fundamental things that we all want to do making sure that we build up gradually no one wants to go from zero to 100 too fast because first of all that's going to be a really uncomfortable process of <laughs> scrapping everything that we enjoy in our life and just running doing, going to the gym eating chicken broccoli and rice or whatever it's going to be it's not going to be a very enjoyable process but also um it's going to lead to injury so with all these things it's a case of gradually looking to do better and i think that's the case with uh, not just running, but with everything we do in our lives, we need to. We want to get better at something. We want to make small, sustainable changes that add up over a long time, rather than going from zero to one hundred. And I mean, that's always the case in in January, New Year, New meet People go from from zero to one hundred. They don't stick at it. And I think for for, for me as a coach, if someone's coming to me, whether it's doing previously as a private coach or an athlete runner, the most important thing is that that we educate you in a way that that you continue to love running. You're you're such an enthusiastic runner, it's sort of, sort out a coach. So we want to make sure that we build on that enthusiasm and and create a lifetime of of passion as a runner while teaching you those valuable skills, how to avoid getting injured, teaching you how to get faster, how to run further, um, and doing it in in that enjoyable, sustainable way.
0: I've had friends that have said that wouldn't consider themselves to be runners that go, oh, I could run a marathon without, I could run a marathon tomorrow. So I guess the question is, can you run a marathon without training?
1: Well, I think the answer to that is that most people do secret training or or, or do training without realizing they they're training. And and, and I think this goes back to the question of like, is someone talented? So imagine you've got two 10-year-olds at school and one of them is about to play rugby. They're both about to play rugby for the first time. Um, But one of them might have played catch in the garden with their older three brothers and, do you mean, carried a big backpack on his way to school every day and done all of these things and also been genetically bigger and stronger. Versus the other one who's maybe got younger sisters and never been so physical, and do you mean do you mean maybe he doesn't have a present dad and or whatever it is, without realizing the lived experiencing the lived experiences that person has has made one of them more suitable to the rugby than than the other. Um, and as a result, that that kid who plays rugby the first time looks talented when actually they've just been doing kind of hidden practice. And it's the same like if, do you mean if you're a twenty-one year old and you've been at uni for do you mean, three years and played football all the time and done whatever like you're going to be practicing your running playing football you might be on the pitch for 90 minutes which is do you mean the same amount of cardiovascular exercise from a time perspective as running a half marathon let's say so do you mean that's fantastic training and if you're doing that three four times a week like you might say that you've never ran before but you've done loads of training um i would go to say if someone's never exercised Mm -hmm. uh, or never done any training at all it would be very very challenging and probably unwise for someone to even try and um, run maybe a half marathon without doing any training at all. Um, but for a lot of people who are physically fit and healthy and do exercise, I mean, they can get round a marathon. They're not going to run an optimal marathon. They're definitely not going to enjoy it. But it can be done. <laughs> um, so I think that's like I think that's the like the key thing to understand. And whether it's good for you or not is another matter. Like if all you've done in that example again is play loads of football, you're good at sprinting and stopping and twisting and turning and running on grass. But they're not used to continuous, steady plodding for four hours on tarmac, mm. uh, and as a result, they might be able to get round because they're a macho guy and you know they're used to the adrenaline of playing sport, and then they go and do it with the crowd, and you mean they they say they're not going to quit, so they get round, but you mean they might go hurt their knees, hurt their ankles, hurt whatever it's going to be for a good few months. Um, and so while they might be able to get round, it's definitely not the way they should do it. Um, and so I, I think no one can do it on no training and no exercise, but people can do it on no they running if they have done
0: lots of other things. I've, I've never considered that before, actually, the the idea of hidden hidden training. And it's a, it, it's a very good point. But what reminded me of what you just said there as well around, yeah, they'll do it, but they might not enjoy it, is the thing that I notice of starting to run longer distances is when you play, okay, so let's say football uh, is 90 minutes, but you're always thinking about something different. Your mind's always, you, you, it's not constant moving. Whereas with running, if you're running, marathon in between four and five hours that's four and five hours of effectively doing the same thing with just you and okay maybe music and a podcast but it's just you the the mental the mental side of things as well and that comes with training of the discipline of of starting Mm. to build your training up but running four or five hours consistently with just you and your thoughts effectively is quite a change for a lot of people yeah,
1: exactly. But but I think for anyone who has done a marathon, no one ever, I don't think, gets to the end of the marathon and be like, oh, God, I'm bored. I'm glad I get to speak to you. It's a good because point. Because your mind goes in so many different places. I mean, maybe that's what some people do and think and say at the end of a marathon, but like November and I've it to at the end of it, and every time i finish one, that hasn't been what I thought because it's such an amazing opportunity to go and explore your thoughts. Do you mean enjoy the... Do you mean the sights, look at other people who are going faster, going slower, look at the different outfits or whatever it's going to be. You hear the noise of the crowd, you hear that music, then you get your brain lost thinking about that fight like you've had with your girlfriend and then what color you should paint your front door and do you mean before you know it you're like going around your favorite corner and then oh you've got to do a second lap oh i've seen that before i feel different than i felt on the last lap and i you mean your brain goes in all these different crazy places and um do you mean sometimes you'll probably be stuck listening to your breathing listening to your feet and be like oh i'm sick of hearing this for a while but then your brain's off and thinking about another thought so that again is do you mean, its practice like if i'm on the start of the marathon I'm nervous for how painful my legs are going to feel mm. and how I'm going to keep pushing through that and how, I mean, how exhausted I'm going to be. And maybe I'm going to have a blister and I'm going to keep pushing through that. But I don't stand on the start of a marathon thinking, well, I mean, personally, I do Ironman. I've done I've done six Ironmans and my my, my running uh, I mean, is only part of that kind of three legged sport. Um, and I don't start to sit at the start of an Ironman, which might take me somewhere between nine and ten hours and think, God, this is going to be a boring day out. It's, it's the best day of my year. Like this year, 2023, I'm going to do one Ironman. Um, and uh, I haven't signed up for it, but it's the browser sitting on my computer and it has been for a few, a few weeks because they cost a <laughs> lot of money. Um, but like that will be the victory lap. That will be the day that I look forward to all year round. The, the hard interval sessions or training sessions out in the rain, in the dark when you're exhausted and cold and tired, like those sessions are hard. I think that the marathon itself, the Ironman or, or, or the big day out, is a fun one. You get to. Enjoy having tapered, having rested up for it, having put all that good training into it, wearing your favourite shoes and your favourite race kit, and uh, all of these different items, and having your friends say good luck and be excited to see how you get on—all of that makes it the, the, the big fun day out. And um, I guess it's the case that you've gone through all of those long training runs to know that the, the biggest challenge of a long training run isn't the boredom; it's, it's the actual hard graft of putting in the putting in the effort.
0: I think a lot of people will, will resonate with that. How long? How long should a training time period be? Because I've seen eight weeks, I've seen 16 weeks, I've seen longer, I've seen shorter. Yeah. Does it depend on the person or the time that you are able to put into it?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think it very much
0: doing it, everyone is different. It's going to depend on what our goal is. It's
1: going to depend on what our history is. It's going to depend on doing how much time we have um and as a result i would say for most people a marathon block will sit kind of between around 12 and, and 16 weeks for most people um some people can do you mean, just need to sharpen up their tools over six weeks and do you mean get get fast ready for the next marathon but if they stay doing enough endurance around, round they, they don't need as long um for someone who's never run and they get a, a place in a marathon they might need six to nine months to gradually build up to get comfortable with 5k 10k and all the way through um and again like if, if the goal is to get round maybe you need a little bit less long but at the same time what i would say to anyone training for any goal is that the longer we train for that goal the better we're going to get um do you mean if if you think about the piano uh like do you mean at school if, if you do you mean you're, you're, you're in school the person who's got grade eight piano is probably the one who just started the youngest and has done the most lessons yeah. um and do you mean someone who starts piano three weeks later is not going to be very good and it's the same with same with marathon training or, or running in general the, the best runners of all your friends and giving the best runners in our network and the best Olympians have ran for 10, 15 years. And that's the reason why those students they are. So like the true answer to like the best marathon block of training is a lifetime. Um, do you mean I'm going to focus specifically towards this London marathon for, for around three or four months. And then I will keep training, do you mean enjoy my running, focus towards the next Ironman, focus towards the next running goal. And, and ultimately just, Keep my training going all year and, and into the year
0: after and year after. I really like the phrase "sharpening tools" for people that are just getting back into <laughs> sharpening tools, get ready to run the marathon. But for those people that this is their first marathon, why is it so important to build up and maybe do a longer training time frame rather than just going right? Okay, uh, I'm going to yeah. go straight into running thirty mile weeks and okay, I've done the odd park run, and I do it twice. Twi- twi- yeah. but why? So, so I
1: like. I like to talk in kilometers just because that's the way that my brain thinks. But uh, the the same logic goes for, for people doing miles. But so if we're training to do a marathon, which is 42 kilometers, we should make sure that we are comfortable doing our longest run, which should sit somewhere normally between around 30 and 35K. If you can currently run 5K, maybe if you really pushed it, next week you could do 6 or 7K. And then if you really pushed it the week after that, maybe you could do 7 or 8K. And the week after that, you could do 8 or 9, let's say. Now you've done a few weeks of hard training in a row, you need to have an easy week. You need to have a, a rest week where you don't go and push it. Maybe you do four or 5K. Okay, that's now five weeks in. Do you mean now you're going to do a hard week of 10K? Now you're going to do a hard week of pushing it to 12K, 14K, whatever it's going to be. Okay, now we need another easy week. If we try to go through that period of time in a more condensed period, rather than going from six to eight to, to nine to 10, you've got to go from six to nine. And then from nine, when you only did six a week ago, you've then got go to go do a 13K run. And then you've got to miss that deload week or that easy week because you don't have as lot to, to squeeze it all in, which means that the, the rate of improvement has got to be much, much sharper, which often younger people or people with a lot more strength history can can get away with a little bit more of what we call an aggressive build. But the, the more aggressive our build, the more likely we are to get injured and also the less enjoyable it's going to be. Um, and so um, the, the longer we space out our training, the less likely we are to get injured, but also the longer we have to make adaptions in our body and get fitter, get stronger, get faster. Um, so kind of with that in mind, it goes back to the point of like, if you want to do the very best marathon you can do this year, you should do it on the 31st of December to mean that you've got as long time between now and then to nail it. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if the goal is to do the best marathon you can this year, you want to put it as far away as possible so you can get as much good training into your body. Um, obviously, in the real world, we we do marathons in the middle of the summer and the spring when the weather's nicest, and when all the people turn up, we've got all this great atmosphere. Um, but that's why it's it's really worth thinking ahead. And the people who do the do the best marathons and enjoy them the best are the people who really commit all the way through their winter towards the London Marathon. And during the, whatever the phrase is, summer bodies are made in winter, or whatever it is. Um, like it's fantastic when the weather starts to improve, and you've got months of good training behind you. Um, and you can enjoy doing those long runs in the in the good weather. Um and your body kind of treats you for all that hard work you put into it. And I think it's the same with anything. Like you get in, you get out what you put in. Um, and as a result, people who leave at the last minute are more likely to get injured and less likely to go around enjoying it. They're more likely to hit the wall and slow down in those last few kilometers and have a horrible time versus the people who put in all of those hard trainings, do all that long run building up over over a good period of time. As a result, they get to enjoy that feeling going around knowing that they're they're beating their wildest dreams of times they ever thought of doing. and do you mean, it's not this crazy, impossible, daunting challenge because they've, they've put the work in.
0: Yeah, if you go straight from not running much or not running at all and then start doing 45, 50k weeks, you, you're going to injure yourself. <laughs> it's going it's to hurt. Well, potentially, you're going to give yourself more of a, yeah, a risk exactly of doing yeah. that. Our, 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 bodies are, do mean, our bodies adapt to what we what we make them do. It's just like that pianist that
1: plays piano with they through school. They get really good at playing the piano and we're going to get really good at what we do. Um, and as a result, if we do more running, we're going to get much better at it. And there's other things we can do, like you've getting a perfect balance of intensity and long runs and easy runs and getting a good balance of sleep and nutrition, and protein and all these other bits and bobs. Um, and you add, you add all that up and, and you do it consistently over a, a good length of time and it's going to lead to, um, Jimmy, it all comes back and, and rewards you for it.
0: So I've been following Ben's advice and I'm getting towards my marathon. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And then I see the word taper. And I go, what is taper? What is taper and why is it important yeah, yeah. to do?
1: Yeah, so um, kind of like that example we talked about, we're gradually building up our, our intensity, our, our volumes, so the distances that we run, the amount of, amount of running we do each week. Um, obviously, with a few kind of easy weeks thrown in there to let the body adapt and recover. Um, but what we don't want to do is go into that marathon tired. Um, so as we get closer to that marathon, we want to have got that been that longest training run that I mentioned somewhere between 30 and 35k under our belt. but we don't want to get it under our belt two days before the marathon because we're still tired. Uh, so we want to get it under our belt probably like four or th- three or four or five weeks earlier than that marathon. Um, and then as a result we want to spend those next weeks ahead kind of recovering, keeping fit, keeping fast but without fatiguing and also keeping our risk of injury low. The last thing you want to do is' done all the hard work for three or four months and you get a last minute injury because you're overdoing it. So the so the weeks running into the marathon will gradually and, – and not just the marathon, the 5K, half marathon, any running goal or any fitness sports goal, like doing someone preparing for the Champions League and football doesn't go and do the biggest gym session they've ever done the night before. Mm. Um, but so yeah, we, we, we gradually drop things down. We'll normally reduce our mileage by kind of um, 30, 30 to 50% in those kind of last week or two. We'll also make sure that we really prioritize our sleep. We prioritize our mobility, keep the risk of injury low, eat really well. Um, and, and it can often be the hardest point for really uh, enthusiastic runners. I mean, someone like myself who loves their running, it's a huge staple of their, their week and their, I mean, their mental happiness, getting those endorphins out of training. You, you've put all this hard work in for months, and then suddenly you've got a coach or a planner saying, run a bit less Ben, It feels counterintuitive because you've literally like, worked up your fitness, got to the point where you can now sustain running whatever distance per week, and you're doing less than it. It feels like you're going to be going backwards. But it's what you've got to do, and you've got to have confidence in in that, in your plan, in your coach, because that way, when it comes to the start line, you've still kept that speed, you've kept that fitness, um, but you're feeling beautifully fresh, ready to go. Um, and so it's it's this kind of period of time, the last kind of two two weeks into that marathon, um, and as a result, it will it will pay dividends. Um, but it does feel counterintuitive, and just have confidence that it will uh, it will pay off, and it's exactly what you need to be doing.
0: I, I did kind of skip a skip and I mentioned it earlier of uh, one of the things that I had never done before and I'd been aware of, but I thought I don't need to do that. But until I've almost been forced to by using runner and it's telling me to do it and I'm going, right, I'm going to give this a go as changing up my training and doing different types of runs. You'll know what I mean, but for those listening, it'll be meaning. introducing interval training tempo training actually forcing myself to do easier runs because I before would have gone right I'm just going to run okay I'll do three miles uh, 5k this week uh, 5k this day 10k this day and then 5k this day and then I'll do my long run at the end but I'll do it all at a pace that I feel like doing that day explain to me why interval training tempo running easy uh, introducing easy runs as well is so important in building up different elements of your running before a race
1: yeah, so um, I'm trying to think of a, a good analogy. I'm sure what will come to me as we're going through it. But so if we think about like training for your 5k, the best way to train for your 5k is not just to run 5k every day. It's not to go out running at the hardest pace every day because your body's just going to gradually get used to that. It will probably see some improvement if that's what we did, but it won't improve optimally. Whereas instead, imagine we run faster than our 5k pace for 400 meters and then we walk and catch our breath for 90 seconds and then we do it again we're teaching our body to get used to running faster than we're, used, than we're used to running for that 5K. And that's essentially what an interval workout is. We're doing shorter chunks, but we're having proper rest between them so we can go faster than do you mean, our race pace or than our, do you mean, our fastest paces that we can normally run at. And that's going to teach our body To adapt to that and we can do all sorts of different interval sessions with all sorts of very different benefits so we can do longer intervals shorter intervals or a mix of both going from a longer 1k rep into a shorter 200 meter rep to get some endurance and some speed Um, so an interval workout is a is one of the many different types of sessions we should do and an interval workout is going to be the best one for making us go faster um, the caveat to that is that like, it's not going to make, not going to be very good for our endurance. If all we do is really short chunks of sprints and stops, sprints and stops. So we need to do the opposite. We need to do long runs. We need to build up our endurance of running continuously, um, so that we can be ready to do a marathon and, and, and long runs are valuable for, for any running goal, not just a marathon. Um, and even within a marathon, within a long run, we can do different types of sessions. Sometimes our long runs, we want them to be steady and slow and continuous, um, whereas some of them will want to put a bit, a bit a little bit of speed in them, or some of them will want to practice getting faster at each I mean, 5K chunk within a long run. We might want to make them progressive, so there's lots of things we can do there. Um, then we have our sessions, our tempo sessions. So This is kind of a bit of a, a productive one to make us faster at speed, but kind of gets a bit of uh, endurance in there as well. So a tempo workout is normally where you're doing slightly longer periods of speed, uh, maybe uh, I mean, a little bit slower than we do for those interval sessions. And that way we're going to get used to running slightly more continuously, but also at speed as well. We're going to be uh practicing working with lots of uh kind of lactic acid building up in the muscles and getting used to that sensation. Um so another another type of another type of session there that's gonna be so valuable. Um and then maybe the most important one is our easy running. Um and the reason why easy running is so 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 valuable is because. There's so much less stress on the body. If we go out and run 5K, in this example, as fast as we can, like you maybe used to do before, it's going to be really fatiguing on your body. So you run 5K on Tuesday nights, you probably shouldn't go running on Wednesday because your body is aching. Um, And as a result, the mileage that you can do in a week is going to be much less because your body is so fatigued from each of your sessions. But if most of our running is done at an easy intensity, it means that it's much less stressful on our body. It will cre- create much less DOMS, much less fatigue. and mean, that by Wednesday, maybe you could do another easy run. Keep building your endurance. And then by Thursday or by Friday, you've got this great endurance in the body because you've done all these easy miles. And now you're razor sharp and fresh to go and nail those intervals and way faster. Whereas if you'd ran a 5k really hard on a Tuesday, on Thursday, you might still be a bit fatigued and your intervals won't be that fast. Whereas if you're really fresh going into those intervals, because you kept your easy running easy, you get even more productive benefit out of your intervals. Um, so it's it's just so important to create that kind of variety over the course of the week, reduces the risk of injury, uh, means that we can get much better endurance. And it also means the fast stuff can be really fast and we get the benefit out of that fast stuff. So whenever I used to have a private client well before running, I'd ring me up on the phone and say, I've been running for years. Um, I, mean, I do all this running, but I've never done any training. They would be the most exciting people that I love listening to because I know as soon as you go give them some structured training, they're going to improve so fast because they're, I mean, they're fit and they're strong, but they're doing it all wrong. Yeah. But as soon as you turn a, turn a few cogs for them, it all starts coming in the right direction. So as a result, if if you are the type of person that does all your running at one pace, uh, I would implore you to go and uh, experiment doing some other types of sessions and you'll really quite quickly see the benefit. And, and then... You'll find running is so much more fun and exciting again because rather than just stagnantly running around your block every Tuesday night because someone said it's going to be good for your fitness and help you lose weight, when you start training and seeing yourself get faster and stronger and running further, it's so much more satisfying. So many more endorphins, and as a result, that's what will keep you running for a lifetime.
0: Yeah, you've you've answered that perfectly. It's really it's really interesting, and I'm only a, a, even just a, a couple of weeks into starting incorporating this into my training and what I would say you've answered it from some sort of a technical side in terms of a real feeling side of someone who's just started doing it. It's like, sometimes I I go, I I think I did an interval session and it was like, Oh, I've, I've I've done my 10 K and I've, I've, I've done it, but it's, it's like, it it feels like I'm running it in a different way. Like I'm building my endurance. I'm doing all the right things, but it's almost quite a nice refreshing way of approaching my running and it mixes it up through the week as well. So I still have that easy run where I can take it, you know, at my own pace. It's fun, right? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun and varied.
1: Like, do you mean, if if you're going out to do, do you mean 3K to warm up, three or four 1K efforts, and then a 2K cool down, you might be running 7 or 8K, but you only have to think about 3K warming up, which is really easy because you're just chilling. And then you've got to run hard for one kilometre. We can all run hard for one kilometre. Take a bit of a rest, do it again. You've only got to do once more and that's done. Now you've ran 6k, you've got to do the cool down, it's all over and you've ran 8k. Whereas if you had to start out running 8k without stopping, it's 35, 40 minutes of hard work. Like Whereas instead, it's breaking it into these mental tracks makes it easier and more fun and satisfying.
0: Yeah, psychological as well. That's a massive thing. I think he yeah. even said that in part of um, part of the the plan of actually get used to running. Uh, I look at it as, as miles, but uh, in, in kilometres, uh, 750 meters of running at a certain pace, and then take it—you know—take your foot, foot off the gas for 250 meters, and it makes it a lot more manageable. But it ma- it means that I get used to running at a certain tempo and pace for a time that's more manageable, and then you kind of build that up and build that up. So, no, re- re- it's it's really interesting. So, um you've got those different parts of training, and like I said, we've built up and you've had your taper. A phrase that another people would have people that have been in the running industry will will know, um, but if I might not have thought about it if I hadn't done it before is not trying something new on race day or not doing something yeah. completely different. And this can be food, the way in which you go about running the way in which you, uh, the, the clothes that you're wearing and the shoes that you're wearing. Why is this? Well, if I've got a new pair of shoes I bought two days ago for this marathon, why should I not be wearing them?
1: Yeah, no great advice and say, absolutely. What we all say is don't try anything new on, on, on race day. And the reason for that is that like, This is this big day that you've been training for for three months, four months, however long. And you want it to go right. So don't put any uncertainties or any elements of risk into that. If you go and change your breakfast and realize it doesn't sit very well with you (laughs) and you're running around farting or trying to hold in a poo or you're about to be sick, it's not going to be a very good experience. All of that hard training ruined by a dodgy breakfast. Um, So don't change your breakfast. In the same way, if you do all your training in a pair of particular branded shorts and, you know, they, they sit nicely Around your bits and it, it it's comfortable and you're going to do your longest run of your life in these shorts. Don't go and buy a new pair of shorts that might not agree with you because then you're going to spend the whole time limping because you've got a bit of bit of blistering somewhere you don't want it. <laughs> and and so the same logic goes for all of these different things like. Yes, we don't want to run in a really old pair of worn out shoes that are wet and sodden and got a hole in them. But at the same time, we also don't want to go and run in a brand new pair of shoes we've never ran before. We start running in 2K and get a horrible blister and then we're limping the whole way around. Um, so never try anything new on race day. However, with shoes, um, it's a great idea to have a good, fresh pair of race shoes, but make sure that they're a new version of the shoes you've already ran in don't go and buy a new, pair of, a new brand that you've never run before with new technology that you don't know whether it agrees with you. Um, make sure whatever you're going to run into the marathon you've run in before, yes, you could go and get a new version of the same shoe or the updated version of the newest model, but still make sure you've worn that shoe a few times. Make sure you use it for some of those speed sessions your probably your last long run, uh, make sure that you wear your marathon shoe and, and wear your whole marathon kit, wear your outfit, get excited, look forward to wearing it. And, and that's going to make that last run that much more exciting because you get to visualise how it's going to feel on the big day. And might be the case that actually those socks that you you bought because you thought they looked really nice, they're actually a bit tight and uncomfortable or whatever. You need to find that out in training and, and not when you're 5K into a 42K run. What's your
0: what, what's your approach and thoughts around uh hydrate, well nutrition through whilst actually running because some people take gels with them some people so you want to make sure that you're hydrated but some people take gels some people take hard food some people don't want to have anything at all does it really depend on the person
1: yeah so i would go to say that once once we're performing intense exercise over an hour at this point we need to be taking on fuel if we want to perform optimally um I would say most people should want to perform optimally, and therefore, we should make sure we're taking on, taking on energy. Um, energy gels have kind of been designed because they're the most efficient way to take on energy in a really easily digestible way that's easy to carry and easy to consume without needing too much chewing or feeling horrible. However, some people don't like it. And the last thing you want to do, midway round, well like, <laughs> consume a horrible tequila shot. And if an energy gel feels the same to you as a tequila shot, then you probably shouldn't have it midway round. The caveat is alternatives are things like jelly babies or flapjacks, which are, again, not necessarily optimal. Um, so it's really important that we find a fueling strategy that works for us. The kind of the golden number that we often kind of look to in the, in the industry is kind of 60 grams of carbs per hour, which means that, like, if an energy gel has got 20 or 30 grams of carbs in, we normally want to try and take on two energy gels an hour. Um, but I mean, if you then have a four-hour marathon coming up, you might need to take on eight energy gels, which it seems like quite a lot. So we need to make sure that we've practiced the strategy that we're going to use for energy gels or for whatever type of fueling we're going to have. We need to make sure that we've got a kit that can, that's can that got enough pockets or enough storage capacity for all these gels. A lot of big marathons will provide you with gels. Um, however, they might be a different brand to the brand that you're used to and you like and they lift a different flavor. So if you're going to be uh, relying on your marathon that you're doing to provide you your gels, make sure you've bought their brand of gels in training and make sure that they agree with you. Um, there's so many different things that we can do. And ultimately, again, it's a very personal um, situation, the feeling that we do for a marathon. Um, but as a result, it's something that we need to practice, experiment, and, and hopefully find a solution that works really nicely for us. Um, hydration, you, you mentioned that as well. Again, we need to be making sure we're taking on uh, liquid, but we also kind of we need to be taking on kind of three things, two of which kind of hydration, we need to be taking on energy, but then we also want to make sure we're getting on plenty of electrolytes or salts, otherwise we're gonna get things like cramping. So the solution there can be either you put electrolytes in your liquid, in your water, you put, you get you take on gels that have electrolytes in them, which is another uh, common option. Uh, or people will take things like a salt tablet. Um, I was doing, doing an ultra-marathon in Sri Lanka where the humidity was extremely intense and mm. every day I would take a salt tablet every day to make sure that uh, alongside having electrolytes in my water, i had also kind of a more dense intake of, of salt as well. So it depends on the type of sweater we are, the type of climate we're running, all of these different things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's key that we, we do all these things, both in training and in, in racing, um, to make sure that we're, we're nicely prepared for it. And, and, and yeah, like you said, don't do anything new. Uh, make sure whatever brand of gel, whatever breakfast you're going to have, whatever kit, whatever shoes you're going to use, uh, you know they agree with you and you feel comfortable using all of them for the big day.
0: And I want to bring it back round because we started with the theme of enjoying it, enjoying every, enjoying the progress, enjoying the experience of doing it. And then we've spoken about things that are enjoyable, but can be quite stressful training plans and different types of runnings and food and kit and all of that. But ultimately, and I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm sure you will agree is just enjoy the experience. You know, something might not go right or something might go better than you expected, but ultimately you've most likely paid to enter this event, which is doing something that's incredibly cool and incredibly worth being proud of and an achievement when you get there enjoy it and take in all of the moment don't be too hard on yourself push yourself and and make the most of it but do you is i take it that's another part a big part of the training enjoy it
1: absolutely and and, you mean over three four months you can achieve so much and the week before you get to that start line you should look back and think what you've achieved like often people will come into this never running more than never running more than five, six K and they've done training runs of 20 K, 25 K, 30 K, maybe 35 K. Like they are enormous achievements. You might do four or five half marathons in your training for a marathon. And like to the type of person who goes into that process, having never run more than five or six K like that's bonkers. And they should be Mm. so proud of that and and so happy. And, and, And as a result, yeah, like just don't put too much pressure on yourself. I always think like we shouldn't worry too much about the time. And when people come to me and say, I really want to achieve this time of the marathon, my, my logic normally is great, like good, good for you. Like I want to, you, mean, I want you to train optimally and you may well exceed your goal or not quite hit your goal. And that's all driven by how accurate your goal was. Like, I mean, if you came to me and said, I want to run a marathon in two hours, or you came to me and you said, I want to run a marathon in four hours or six hours, like the likelihood of you achieving that goal is just determined by whether your goal was good. Do you know what I mean? Like, and your goal being good is basically driven by how well you understand what is realistic to achieve in a certain time frame. So instead of worrying about that, we should just listen to where you are right now, give you the optimal training, and you're going to do the best possibly, the best that you possibly can. Um, and, and that's the good thing. And and by doing it that way round as well, you don't know, don't get wrapped up in worrying whether we do a four-hour and one marathon or a three hour fifty-nine. Like we want you to do the best marathon you can do, and we want you to get there happy uh and ready to do the marathon that you're after because you enjoy the process. And I think that's um, that's the way I look at running, and that's the way that I try and build any coaching that we do at Runner, and, and hopefully that resonates with lots of people
0: out there. Well, Ben, I've got a, I've got a marathon in what is now seven seven weeks, and I've learned so much that I'll be taking forward with me. And I mean, I work for a company that organises a national running show, so there will be people that listening to this that are just starting their running journey that will have learned so 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 much from from listening to you, and they can learn more. Um, through you and through runner. So where, where can people go if they're right? Okay. I've got, I've got a taster for it now. Um, okay. Let me maybe join in, in I've yeah. got 10 weeks to go. Let me join in. Or if i if I've got something coming up in a few months, let, let me take a look. Where can I go to find out more uh, about? Runner? Yeah, absolutely. So,
1: so Runner is, okay, you can, you can check us out on our website, www.runner, which is r-u-n-n-a.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram runner underscore coach. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Ben, ben Parker fitness and send me a message. Uh, otherwise download the runner app um, and get started you, uh, as soon as you download the app you have get a free trial see how it works um, and we look forward to helping you with any of your running goals and if anyone's got any questions once they've set up their account you can message us inside the app in the support tab and myself steph and the rest of the team will be there to help you uh, on that running journey and we look forward to helping you towards your marathon in seven weeks and helping everyone else out there as well
0: ben it's been great fun thank you so much there's only one thing left to ask you and I you mean you've been giving loads of advice during this podcast but it's a piece of advice that's specified for someone who will be coming on the podcast in the near future it doesn't have to be to do with running but if you want it to be then it can be
1: uh well i think my kind of like big picture advice that's told to me well in, in running in running a business um in, in everything that i do personally is that the more or the, the the longer that we work at something the, the better we get so we've just got to, just got to keep being patient, keep persevering, keep learning. Um, and it all adds up to be good at anything. It's just long-term consistency. Um, so we just got to be patient and keep grinding. Um, and you'll get better at your running. You'll get better at running your business. You'll become a better friend. And, and, yeah, just keep persevering. And it'll all add up long-term.
0: That's a great piece of advice and a great place to finish as well. Ben, thank you so much.
1: No, thank you very much for having me and good luck for your marathon
0: race. And that brings us to the end of this episode with Ben Parker. If you're training for a marathon, then I hope you've picked up some bits and pieces from this episode, uh, from this conversation that you'll be able to take into your training. And if you're not planning on running a marathon, then maybe this has just inspired you to take that on. So... Thank you very much for listening. If you think that you know someone who would enjoy this podcast just as much as you, then send this over to them. Let's grow this outside and active community, which helps us get on just as amazing guests and keep us going. Again, a massive thank you to Science & Sport who have sent through this awesome stuff. You can go and check them out at scienceinsport.com and also download the Runner app. They do some amazing, amazing training plans. Even for me, who've been running for a couple of years, they gave me pieces of advice that I actually didn't think about before such as the things that we spoke about in the episode so thank you very much for watching and the last thing to tell you about is that we're, um, we're doing video versions of these. If you didn't know and you just listened to the audio versions, we do actually have video versions of pretty much 90% of the podcast on offer. If you want to head to YouTube, type in Outside and Active Podcast, you'll find it there or by heading to our website, outsideandactive.com and all the articles that are related to the podcast, you can see the videos there. Thank you very much for watching or listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. And until that time, enjoy the outdoors.